Hi, and welcome to the Entertainment Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Andy G. Today, we're here with Barry McQueen. He is a serial entrepreneur and branding specialist with years of hands-on experience in helping startups pave their way to professional career success. He is also a business consultant, as well as an author and professional speaker. Barian has acquired a great deal of acclamation and recognition for his work as a digital marketing expert, including being featured in Fox, ABC, NBC, Thrive Global, Yahoo Finance, International Business Times, and many more. Having previously been a signed record producer and applying his 20 years of professional experience in the music industry, Barian also serves as a music consultant for various emerging artists and producers, helping several already earn their blue check on Instagram. Barian is currently the owner of The Brand Castle, his full-service digital marketing and branding agency. Throughout his decorated entrepreneurial journey, he has formulated multiple tech-based startups and businesses, including websites such as hiphopdose.com and digitalbuzznow.com. Hi, Barian. Welcome, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, Barian, how did you break into your industry, and what motivated you to start your first blog? Um, So, I was a rapper back in the day. Um, I got my first record deal when I was 18 with Epic Records. Um, and, you know, the way the industry works, once the A&R that signs you gets fired, you pretty much are just a number at a record label. Right. Um, so I kind of got shuffled around through Epic. But at the time, Epic Records wasn't really a rap label. You know, It was more of a pop label at the time. So I think me and I believe Young Berg were the only rappers on that label at the time. Um, and then my A&R got left, you know, I kind of got shifted and put to the back and then they released me. Um, so I've been in the music business business for like mm-hmm. since I was 18, but um, I retired from music when I was 30 as far as like being an artist. Like I really wanted to be behind the scenes and it's a young man's game. So, you know, from 18 to 30, my fan base grew older when I grew old. Right, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so for me, it was just like, you know, I wanted to create a platform that if I wanted to maybe manage or sign my own artists or find new talent, I wanted to have a platform to showcase them on. So when I relocated to Florida, there were no platforms. You either go to the radio station, 99 Jams or 103.5 The Beat, and that was it. There was no media outlets that were really showcasing talent, I thought. So I figured it was a perfect opportunity for me to um, create something. Excellent. And since then, how did you expand your PR and digital marketing network into what it is today? Um, I think, it. you know, I, I probably got into music business when I was 15 and we was always making little logos for our record labels before we, it was legit, right? We didn't have no business license or nothing. We just, Mm -hmm. anybody who rapped, they made their own label. That was just what everybody did. Whatever your last name was, you just put records at the end of it, right? So at the time, um, we had been reaching out to brands and doing all of this stuff, but we didn't know what it was called back then. Now we know it's called branding. Right. But, you know, we were doing all of those things for years. You know, uh, my first uh, independent tour was sponsored by Ciroc and it was just a 
you know, I just wrote an email to Ciroc and say, hey, look, we love the product. We would love to take some of these on tour with us. We finance in the tour. And they said, oh, no problem. If we can have a rep at all your shows, we give you Ciroc. I get 12 cases a month, <laughs> right? So, you know, we have been doing this for so long. We just didn't know what it was called. Um, right. So as I got um, older, you know, and started taking the branding aspect more serious, I started doing that for small business owners, you know, start working on their personal brand, getting them as a brand authority. Um, and it's because it's the press that they need, nobody knew how to get it to them. So it's like, yeah, I own a taco truck, but nobody knows where my taco truck is located, what we sell. And then, you know, the traditional marketing, nobody can afford TV ads. Yeah. Or, you know, even billboards are expensive. You know, you pay $10,000 for one month of just your billboard being up. And then yeah, no. what's it's the return really on investment for that 10 grand, you know? So um, I started doing that for businesses. You know, I went from, I learned it through the music industry. And then I kind of just applied those same principles to small business owners. And what were uh, the one or two major turning points in your career? Um, from a branding perspective, um, when we worked with Pepsi, right? So Pepsi, everybody knows Pepsi. But the fact that they worked with, this was when we were just starting out. So we didn't have a portfolio. We mm-hmm. didn't really have, we would have did it probably for free. Um, but what we were doing is we were showcasing products just on social media for free, right? And right. then these brands would continually ask, hey, can we use your image on our social media? So when these brands realized, this is how the influencer came about, right? So these brands were like, oh, we can pay somebody else that did the photos and took the product and got the model and did all of these things. And we didn't have to pay for it. We just asked them, could we post it? Mm-hmm. And we got free content. So um, once we started doing that for free for brands, then they started reaching out like, yo, can you do this on a consistent basis and we'll pay you this amount and it kind of grew from there. So I think once I seen that the bigger brands were accessible without you even being, you know, famous already or, you know, uh, having any kind of portfolio with anybody with some clout um, that you could still work with some big brands, just being normal, you working your regular nine to five job. And, and doing it. Very interesting. And with you being an expert in the blogging space, Barian, would you say that music blogs are still as relevant today as a resource for avid music listeners? I think the hardest part about the music business in general is there's so much content that you still got to weave through a lot to get to the good stuff, right? right. So I think it's, for, it's the same for music blogs, you know? When a lot of music blogs don't make money from advertisement, it's a pay-to-play situation. You pay me this amount of money, and you can get on this blog, and it's like, hey, it's not going to always be the talented. It's going to be the person that paid, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's just in life in general. You're going to have to weave through a lot of garbage to get to the gym. So, I mean, I think they're necessary because for me, any press is good press. So if you exactly. got any press on any publication, whether your music is good or not, look at Soldier Boy, right? He's I, I love using him as an example because he never really made great music to me, but he understood press part 
and he was everywhere. He was on every outlet. He was so from that aspect, from a branding, he's like a marketing genius. Right. But the music didn't coincide with his uh, his marketing capabilities. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's very important to be out there as much as possible. And what about for the artists being promoted? Does landing on some of the more popular music blogs give you the exposure necessary to attract new listeners? Like how much of a difference does it really make? I think it's a, it's a, uh, it's a luck thing, right? So I think the timing of when your stuff goes on certain blogs um, is is just as crucial to you running into somebody famous when you walking around, right? So if somebody goes to a music site that they normally go to and you just happen to be landed next to a space where somebody that's major is, I mm-hmm. think it's really good because it's putting you in the same position as the people that you're trying to be in. So I, I never really downplay them. Um, right. I just think it's, it's still a lot of luck involved, though. But the more consistent you are and, you know, the more people see you on other blogs, they're like, oh, well, who is this guy? I just seen him on the last blog. And on yeah, this one. definitely, um, definitely. Now, for anyone who has considered starting a blog as a business model or as a personal marketing strategy, um, you know, what would you say to, to them in terms of branding and revenue potential? Um, I would tell them, don't be scared to do stuff for free because okay. people get into this, I believe, for the wrong reason. I did a lot of free stuff before my blog started making. So, you know, I've reached out to probably thousands of people just sending an email. Hey, you know, this is what I do. We would love to showcase you. And a lot of everybody doesn't write you back. But you had to do a lot of free grunt work in the beginning just to establish a presence. Um, right. So kind I of always, to get your foot in there, foot yeah, in the door. There's a lot of people, people so. Don't be scared to do stuff for free, you know. Um, everybody's so money hungry, but I think they don't understand the value of the sweat equity that they put into their product. Right, exactly. And what are some brief tips you could offer aspiring writers, bloggers, or digital marketers like yourself who may be trying to grow their audience and their business? Um, the fastest way to grow an audience is to write a book. I promise you, I hated reading in school, never thought I'd be a published author, but writing a book um, is so key to becoming an authority in a certain space quicker. Right. So you can go the traditional route and you know get a lot of publications and do all of these things, but if you have that published author asterisk it's going to bump you up a lot faster. And it don't, my first book, um, I think it was 40 pages. Mm-hmm. I wrote it in like five hours and submitted it, did it through Amazon self-publishing platform. And we was ready to go. Nice. Hold out. So. Wow. <laughs> I get some more, but writing a book, definitely do it. If you're somebody that really likes writing, just start writing your thoughts down, whether it's poetry, whether you just doing any kind of journalism, Put it, turn it into a book, an e-book, a hardback book, anything. Make it a book. Right. Nice. And what inspired you to write a book? If you didn't like writing before, you know, when you were younger, what led you to, to start that book in that moment? Well, as I got older and, you know, I started through this entrepreneurship journey, I started reading books from people that I 
kind of looked up to. And it was like, man, it's a lot of value in these books, a lot of mistakes that they've made that maybe I can avoid. Um, and then, you know, the difference in my book, my book is called Why Won't My Business Grow? So a lot of the um, stuff that I'm writing in this book, it's not from a place of somebody that already made it, right? So I wrote that book from an employee standpoint. I worked for people all my life. So, you know, I was 13 years at one company, seven mm-hmm. years at another company. So my, my, my perspective was from the employee. These are things that as an employee, I think a lot of business owners don't understand. Um, and so tips and stuff that I just trial and error, and I wanted to kind of really just share it with people. Like, well, you don't have to be a guru to just put a book out. Right. Like, no, life, yeah, definitely agree with that. You just got to put yourself experience. out there. Just do it. That's it. <laughs> and what are some of the services, bearing that you provide to aspiring artists and producers as a music consultant? So from a music consultant, um, I wouldn't say I'm like um, the end all be all, but because I've got the experience, I'm not just somebody that's in the industry. So a lot of people that are coming up, they get scammed by a lot of people that yes. just claim to be in the industry, right? So I had three bad record deals. I had two bad entertainment lawyers. Like I've been in the groundwork of and then, you know, because I'm a producer and songwriter, my perspective is really more trying to uh, protect the creatives, right? As creatives, we just want to create. That's all. We don't really sometimes don't want to understand the business aspect of it. We just want to create and want somebody else to handle that stuff. So, um, you know, it's, my thing is more like a guidance thing. I really want to kind of give advice and, you know, some stuff that maybe will help because as creatives, they don't want to be creatives and marketers and independent. You got to do all of that stuff. Yeah, you have to. Thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully, because of consultants like yourself, artists don't have to navigate the industry blindly. So to expand on that, for those who may be utilizing only social media to promote their brand, which other platforms or types of marketing should people also focus on? I think, you know, as a business owner, one thing I struggled with was personal branding, right? So, you know, I own a couple of businesses, but I always focused on just building the businesses, right? And I always tell people, people will fall in love with you before they fall in love with your logo, right? So I started putting my face out there more. I started branding myself more. Um, When I used to go to Target, I used to go to the electronics department and put my Instagram on all the tablets inside Target. <laughs> and a guy DMs me, says, hey, man, I, I seen your Instagram. I was looking to buy an iPad at Target, and your Instagram was on the page. So it's just little things that wow. you do. And he just became a new follower, you know, just something simple like that. Just went in Target, and I took over all their tablets <laughs> and put my social media. But um, it's just always promoting your brand. I think... People have gotten lazy because they think social media is the only way, right? Yeah. So, um, like today, I went out to go get something to eat. I'm wearing a shirt that says millionaire in training with my name on it, right? Right. So anybody in Walmart who saw me today, (laughs) if it's one person or two people that just, like, followed me because they seen the shirt that I was wearing, this is a tax write-off. Yeah. So if your name is on it and it's your business... 
yo, put your name on all your stuff. Don't go to Gucci and Fendi. Spend the 10 bucks to get your name I on your stuff. I love that. And then you'll be good. That's a really good idea. I really love your ambition, you know? It's like the hard work, the dedication. I mean, it shows. I mean, for somebody just to just go to Target and take the time to yeah. log on to their Instagram on a tablet and do that is because you want it you wanted to make it happen and you did. And to continue to have that drive right now, you know, after you've accomplished so much is very admirable. That's it, man. When my wife goes to Target, I don't want to go through none of those aisles that she's... <laughs> You're so like, just, okay, go look I'm like, your... yo, I'm going to be in an electronics uh, department. I probably was really supposed to be like looking at camera equipment or something, but I'm like, oh man, look at all these tablets and laptops. Right. Let me put my Instagram up on Yeah, this. it's about looking for that next opportunity or looking seeing opportunity wherever you are. So I love that. So now, Barry, one of the questions that I've been most eager to ask you, because I'm sure many people are tired of dealing with all the scammers on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) So what does it take for someone to get their Instagram account legitimately verified? And how have you been able to help your clients earn this highly coveted blue check that everyone wishes that they had? So this is the thing. So that's an interesting question. So for me, right, my, I didn't really want to get into the whole Instagram verification thing until I got mine verified so that I can actually show and prove and say, hey, look, I'm verified. This is how I did it. Um, so I pretty much use my clients as guinea pigs, really, um, when we first started. And everybody's journey was a little bit different. Um, it all really starts with Presto. And, and getting a lot of articles written and a lot of people because Instagram is not going to verify nobody on their platform if nobody else is talking about them anywhere else, right? Right. So um, PR articles are really key. The problem with PR articles is people have to be using PR articles that have a very high domain authority, right? Mm-hmm. So if you make a blog tomorrow, And somebody gets up on their site. Because your site is so new, your domain authority is not going to be as high as a Forbes or an entrepreneur or some people that have been in business for like 20 years doing publications. So um, it's also a quality of publications. But it comes back to the faster people that we have gotten verified are people who put out books. Press. Press. Got it. A lot of press. Like... It's a combination. It's not a, like, you know, I've got an artist verified. She only has 2,000 followers, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, she had great press. She had great music. Um, She did a couple things, you know, with VH1, but it's not based off how many followers. Just people got a million followers not verified. Right. right? Yeah, that's a very common misconception. I mean, I even thought that as well, too. I thought to get verified, you had to have, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of followers in order. I thought that that's what the verification was about, so. Yeah, so it's like, you know, it's a lot of people that's, you're going to get hit up, trust me. I can get you verified for $49.99, It'll be verified in two or three days. I feel really bad because this blue check is really, people really want to, people really want that blue check. It's super, um, I don't know. It's almost like, like I I definitely want to, like when I got my Facebook verified when I was a music artist, it was like a big deal. It wasn't a big deal because I felt like I was famous. 
it's a lot of different tools that you get as a brand once mm. you get verified that the average account doesn't have. Oh, so wow. You have access to different analytics. You have access to uh, associate with other verified users um, once you get that blue check. So it's more like, I think I want it more for the access mm-hmm. um, to uh, people that are already verified and then the insights. You know, I'm big on insights and right. analytics. Where is my traffic coming from? What cities? What states? Is it male? Is it female? What's the age group? So because I'm a marketer, I care about all of those demographic yeah. numbers, right? right. Um, so when you get verified, you get access to more than just the average insights that everybody So it's kind of like a membership, kind of like a Instagram perk kind of yeah. yeah. thing, like so, a club. Yeah. So, you know, you get, you know, say you go on somebody else's, but it, it really gives you authority, right? So if yeah. you go on somebody else's page that's verified and they see you verified, oh, that must be somebody that's worth following because they mm-hmm. have a check. You know what I mean? So it gives you access to other people that may be either potential clients or people you definitely probably wouldn't have been able to collaborate with if you weren't verified and they didn't see that you were had a blue check. So I think yeah. it's more, I think some people want it for the wrong reasons, but no, everybody, who, who cares? If you want it, let's try to get you one. <laughs> yeah. And how how has it been, for example, um, with cold messaging? Do you think that having that check verified helps when someone wants a cold message? Um, I think so. Um, one, because you don't have to be following the person to, for their message to go through, right? So if somebody messaged me right now on Instagram, and they weren't following me. I weren't following them. They get sent to like a request bin. Yeah. People that, so when you're verified, you get bumped up to the top of DMs, messages, all of that stuff. So that's, that's that access that I'm talking about. Oh, you know, wow. You when you're not, if you're verified. So um, I think pe- some people want it for the wrong reason. And I think it's great for some people that are really trying to, you know, put their stamp on things. Right. And also I'm sure, you know, when, when somebody sees a message from somebody that they don't know, I'm assuming that they're going to be more open to talk to them or listen to what they have to say if they click on the profile and see, oh, they have the check mark. Of course. I mean, and, and then that, that just goes for the people who reach out to me in general, right? So I don't really reach out to nobody and say, hey, you want to get verified, I can do it. Never in my life, nobody will ever have a DM from me saying that. The reason people trust me is because I'm all about keeping my face clean and people see me as a person, right? I'm very active online. They know it's not like some fake person behind the account. And what you will see with a lot of people that sell Instagram verifications, it's a guy that don't have no photos. It's a bunch of cats. Yeah. Uh, cookware, you know, it's just random stuff, yeah. but people trust me. They know, oh, he's a real person. I can yeah. probably see him out. He's on YouTube. He's got some press and and that's my thing. I just want to be as authentic as possible. Yeah. And even for collaborations, I mean, that's what I specifically meant with cold messaging, you know, like when somebody messages you for a collab or, you know, mm-hmm. to offer a service, a product, yes. I would think that if you have that verification, you know, the person's going to be, like you said, more trusting. Of course. Of the and person. that's the authority that people 
want, um, you know, to be an authority in their space. So right. I'm just, what I'm trying to do is just wake up one day and have it. I know I can probably get it and, and strategically, but I really want to just wake up and just have it one day. Like, you know what? Instagram finally woke up and was like, yo, we got to verify this guy. So that's why I've not been verified yet. I probably could do it, but I just, I have plenty of press and enough press to do it, but I really just want to, I want to wake up to it. Yeah. That'd be better. Yeah. It didn't cost me nothing. It's just Instagram finally recognized my talents and, and it showed up. Let's do it. Excellent. So Barry, for my last few questions, I like to dive more into personal growth and mindset. Okay. Since it's evident that more than anything else, uh, these are the foundations for all successful entrepreneurs. So if you could go back and do anything differently that would have avoided any setbacks and that would have gotten you to where you are today a lot sooner, what would that be? Oh, that's a good question. I think for me, um, I, I, I listen to a lot of people telling me kind of what was possible rather than me just doing it, right? Um, when I wanted to do be an entrepreneur and work for myself, everybody like, man, you're crazy. How do you know what you're going to make money-wise or how you're going to do this? And, you know, I always had the safety net of a nine-to-five to that I could always just work on my thing on the side, right? So it's like, yo, if I don't make no money on my side hustle, I still know I got guaranteed money from this job. And it wasn't until I kind of removed that safety net of having a job and just was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it and figure it out. If it don't yeah. work out, then I'll go back and get a job. It's no big thing, but thank God it worked out and <laughs> I can make my own schedule. And it's harder work though. People don't right. get that. It's hard being an entrepreneur when you don't know, you know, what, how much money you're going to make next month and your bills are the same every month. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Um, but so that, but that freedom is... Of course, it's priceless. Priceless, for sure. Now, did you have any mentors along the way that you believe contributed to your career growth in any way? And if so, what was the most valuable lesson that you learned from them? Um, I didn't really have any mentors. Um, I have one person in my family um, who's my aunt. She's my youngest aunt. And she's the only person in my family who's ever really really did this entrepreneurship thing, right? So mm-hmm. she went to a vocational high school for cosmetology and she opened up her own salon literally like right after high school. And she's had that salon, it's probably 20 years now. Wow. Um, and I always tell her, you know, I'm really, I really look up to, she always say, oh man, I'm so proud of you, but she don't know. I really look up to her because nobody in my family before her really said that, you know, I'm, right. I'm looking to try to do some, generational wealth, like leave something for my kids, whether they want to be marketers or be in the music industry or not, at least they got an early start in something, sell the company, whatever, some kind of step up. So um, I would say my aunt Trina. That's amazing. And is there anything you do as part of your daily routine or at least when preparing for big moments to help get your mindset ready? Um, I actually started making a, I have this little journal that I write. I try to prep my week out in advance. I got this journal. I think I paid a dollar for it at Dollar Tree, right? But I got religious at following 
this schedule, right? So I don't get up in the morning at five and go to the gym and I probably need to go to the gym, but I don't go. I just get up, I get in the shower, I get my mind clear, and then I just look at that journal. Like, okay, what's on the list? I always do the hardest task first, the one that's going to take me the longest, and then my day just smooths out <laughs> throughout nice. the day. Yeah. But that's it. It's just I, I didn't used to be organized because I do so many different things. I, I, it was so hard to stay organized. My mind track is just like, oh, I got to do that. Oh, I forgot to I gotta do that. And it wasn't organized. So once I got organized, my flow was better. Um, stuff was on time. And, and Yeah, that's important. Yeah. That's good. Definitely journal, stay organized, and plan out your day so that you have more time later. That's it. And if you were sitting across the table from your younger self, Barry, and the version of you who was just getting started, what main piece of advice would you give yourself back then for launching a new brand or business? Oh my goodness. So my old self, oh, I was so stupid, man. <laughs> you know what? And if this is an entrepreneur or somebody that's doing music, I wasted a lot of money trying to look the part before I was actually somebody, right? So if I look at, I bought chain, diamond chains and all the latest Jordans. It just, I, I don't even buy this stuff anymore. It's crazy. But, I, you know, save your money is probably would be my advice to my yeah. own I owned all the nice cars, but I always went to a home to an apartment, right? So it was just like, <laughs> my priorities were so screwed up. And I think it's just program, like, as the artist, nobody wanted to look like the struggling artist, right? You right. wanted to let people feel like you made it already. So I did that for so long and wasted money trying to look the part instead of just being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, I don't care about any of that <laughs> So I got a lot more money in the bank. So. <laughs> That's really good advice. I definitely agree with that. And finally, are there any upcoming projects that you want to share with us? Um, so people don't know that I still produce and songwrite. Um, I got a couple records that were picked up by Netflix that I actually wrote and produced on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I got some stuff, um, from some independent, well, they're not, I wouldn't call them independent artists, but I kind of do a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, and just recently, I just finished writing two treatments for some music videos as a creative director. So it's just, that's awesome. I just don't like being in a box. So some people know me as Framed by Da Vinci, the photographer, director, videographer. Some people know me as B to the Dot, the producer. Some people know me as Baron, just the business guy. So mm-hmm. however they know me, I'm still the same guy all rolled into Yeah, I mean, you still have to have that one thing that keeps you creative. You know, you have have that one thing that makes you the money, one thing that keeps you creative, one thing that keeps you healthy. I mean, if it's if the creativity is in you, definitely use it. That's it. So, Barry, and thanks again for being here with me today and offering so many valuable insights. I honestly learned a lot myself, and I definitely plan on using some of the new marketing strategies that you brought to light for my own brands. Yeah, go to Target, man. Put your Instagram on all the tablets and the phones. Will do. I wish you continued success with your various brands, and I will definitely be in touch again very soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having me.
You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.